This is the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. You're about to discover the most entertaining rock music podcast on the planet, filled with the best stories straight from rock musicians from all over the world. Rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's time to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started. The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast where I'm going to be speaking with Steve and Brian of the Washington DC based punk band American Television today. The band has been releasing music since 2013 so happy 10, an- 10 year anniversary there I suppose and their 2016 debut EP reaction was a pretty bombastic introduction onto the scene. The band has put out another EP called Adolescence which was cover songs which is very cool back in 2021 as well as a full length album back in 2020 called Watch It Burn and even better they just released their brand new sophomore LP called Scars on September 22nd, and it is absolutely killer. The album reminds me sound-wise of the copyright's last album, Alone in a Dome, which anyone who listens to this podcast may know won the 2021 Punk Album of the Year from Powered by Rock for our Powered by Rock Music Awards. So that's some very high praise. They also have a very cool video for their song Bittersweet that I'm excited to play for you during the show today, so stay tuned for that. So hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey Isaac, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. So I obviously want to just pretty much dig in. So like the first segment here I always have is called what I call the best story to tell. But I want to dig into this new album because it fucking rips. Like I think a lot of people are going to like this album. Um, it is called Scars. And, you know, like I said, it's pretty much what I consider an absolute ripper. So I think sonically you guys do have a bit of that Midwest punk sound but mixed with that East coast cynicism of, you know, that, that New York, Jersey, Philadelphia kind of vibe. So do you guys have any specific influences on the music in general? And then were you steered in any particular direction with this album? It's funny you say New York and New Jersey, because I'm from New York originally and Brian is from New Jersey originally. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so DC based, but not from originally there. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Musically, you, you, copyrights are a huge influence on us. Um, like just a great Midwestern punk band, like D- Dopamines as well. Uh, even Dear Landlord, like their one record uh, has always been something that's been such a great, like straightforward pop punk record. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as East Coast vibes go, I think Brian and I would both probably cite Avail as like a major influence on us, that, that grittiness, okay. that sort of uh, that poppy hardcore if you will uh sure. brian but what do you got man <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, i guess i'll talk about the cynicism a little bit rather than the musical uh influences so you know we we do our band um as a hobby we try to do it as much as we can we we have full-time jobs um that you probably picked up uh listening to the record there's a lot of themes about trying to uh make your way through the corporate world and 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 pay attention to your job a little bit and and how uh depressing that can be at times which i think you know yeah so you're not just using like that as a character model that's actually life right <laughs> yeah correct yeah as and long I as think, my boss isn't listening yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know oh, and I think, song, no. yeah <laughs> i think uh the east coast has a reputation for you know not being as as laid back as maybe the west coast and, and even the, the the midwest a little bit so it's kind of like the states and cities and stuff that you mentioned are kind of like 
real congested and real, um, you know, dense and just between navigating that life and work life and trying to have time to be, to be a band. It's like, it's no wonder that we kind of write about uh, the things that we write about. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I want to bring up in a little bit is kind of more the lyric stuff. But um, you know, when I, when I listen to the album, you know, I get vivid imagery. I hear stories in there. Um, you know, it's not Bob Dylan to that level where he's just like, eh, we'll tell a whole story about his, like somebody's life from beginning to end. But you get like these snippets in a person's life. Maybe it's like a month or a year or a day or whatever. And you can pretty much put yourself in this stuff in, in, in these, in these uh, situations. Um, but I think that there's something to be said about that because, you know, not every band or not every album or not every song is going to necessarily have lyrics that convey something that are, you know, deeply instilled in that person or how they're feeling. Sometimes it'll be writing about somebody else, writing about completely fictional stuff, um, just getting a mood or a feeling, not even having lyrics that relate to anything. It could just be, you know, garbage lyrics or, you know, a bunch of yammer yammer, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, but you guys, you guys do it in a way, obviously most of your songs are minute, minute, and a half, two and a half minutes, somewhere in there. So you do it in a way where you're not stuffing it full of lyrics and you still get to the point and you still make a really good solid story. So how, how do you find that that's possible? Because when I listen to it, I'm like, I get what's going on, but it's like, by the time you figure out what's happening and, and really what the story is, it's already over. Yeah. That's uh I mean, I, I, I primarily write most of the lyrics in the band. Brian actually chipped in a couple songs uh, on this record, but like, yeah, the, the process for me, like it, it looks, I, I like to sing along while I play and, sure. and create a, you know, I might, I might come up with like a line or two that, uh, of something that I saw throughout the day or experienced throughout the day. And I'll kind of like build off that. So, um, you know, for instance, like the first song on the record, new generation is, you know, I have a, I have a nine-year-old son and I'm watching his friends like kind of become educated on the world and I was going to say become zombies to an iPad, but yeah. <laughs> that a little bit too, <laughs> but, but like, you know, watching the open-mindedness of, of my own kid, like more open-minded than I ever was at his age or sure. even aware than I ever was like new generation kind of scratches at that. Just like basically saying, Hey, there's actually hope in, in what I'm seeing in these young people. And like, you know, a lot of times people are dismissive and saying like, ah, you don't know shit. But, you know, I've got a kid who's nine and I see kids all around the neighborhood who are like in their teens. And I'm like, you know, this is the future and we got to have faith in them. So, like, you know, give it up for the new generation of people yeah. that can carry the torch of positivity and change. So that that was, you know, one example. Um, the And then in I Am The Fire, you know, that kind of pulls from a variety of different things. Like experience anxiety um, kind of feeling like you're a small particle in like a much larger world. And so there's uh, some lyrics uh, in that song that basically say, uh, I, I, um, I am the, I am the late, oh, I'm totally blanking on the lyric, <laughs> my own lyrics. Uh, help me out, Brian. You, you know, yeah, I don't know which part I, you're talking about. Uh, 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 it's all good. Uh, so basically like that, that, that song kind of pulls at the elements of like earth it says things like I am ash, I am the fire. Uh, I'm late, dirt like grime, yeah, dirt and like, grime, yeah. and it's kind of pulling at like all these things that like yeah. I, I like nature a lot. So it kind of not only just like how beautiful it is, but how volatile it can be. And so like just kind of trying to translate things that I'm experiencing into music. And then as far as the shortness of the songs go, I think I think we've got our editor on the on the line with us. <laughs> <laughs> 
RPGs. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just to add on to that, uh, I like to, um, I don't know, I, I think our music, I like to keep it so that it's like metaphorically punches you in the face and then just kind of steps away. Like I, yeah. we don't write a lot of long winding bridges or intros or things like that. Um, they're just unnecessary uh, in the style of music that we're trying to play. Um, but I, I did want to add real quick. Um, I think what you said about our music telling stories and being a narrative, that's a huge compliment. Um, because I think it's, uh, in addition to some of the kind of punk bands that Steve mentioned being influenced by, I know we both listen to people that do tell stories through their music and, and that probably carries through a little bit. People like, um, Elvis Costello and Ben Folds. And I mean, geez, even, um, one of my favorite bands is, is old Primus and oh, like, God, love it. they just, all of their songs are stories about individual characters and, you know, a snippet of the day of their life or, you know, something like that. And yeah, Les Claypool just, is a master at like just fine tuning. Like he has such a weird imagination anyway, but he's really good at, at writing that stuff. Yeah. I don't know how influenced by uh, uh, Primus uh, Steve is, but <laughs> yeah. it's definitely a favorite of mine. And, yeah. you know, I, I, it, it likes what, what I was saying. It's just a huge compliment to hear like that uh, coming through in our, in our songs. And I don't know that it's something that we, consciously tried to do but just kind of from you know what we all listen to it, it it ends up there yeah and i think that ben folds reference is kind of an interesting one because i remember listening to ben folds early on in my life and just him talking about like going up the stairs and like you know checking in the door and like just like very specific things happening like he's talking about what's actually happening i'm like that's a cool way to write because not everybody writes that it's like they'll just talk about you know the moment like i remember trying to figure out what the fuck Nirvana was ever talking about in most of their songs. I'm like, no idea. Like, this has got to be him just high. I don't really understand half of these songs, but yeah. Like, yeah. it was much clearer when I heard Ben Folds. I was like, oh, you can write songs like that? I guess you can, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely, uh, I, it, there's like, and and all, all the bands Brian mentioned, maybe aside from Primus, they have pop sensibility to them. Like, like Elvis Costello has been a huge influence for me my whole life. Like, I probably yeah. discovered him when I was about 14 and just like ever since, like, just I always delve, I always dive into like his new stuff, and I like how it's kind of matured with him. And yeah. and honestly, with me, like I like mellower music as well now. So like having having like the whole like every every uh, era of Elvis Costello kind of has some beautiful imagery and a lot of pop sensibility yeah. to it. So. I mean, this is already starting out to be one of the most badass punk like interviews of all time, right? We're talking about Elvis, Elvis Costello, and Ben Folds, and Primus. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that I mean, I, I always think it's funny. I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, especially drummers, who will tell you that if they were always only influenced by punk music in a punk band, they would be fucking terrible at what they do because <laughs> it's very easy just to do the and they would be so bored. They'd be like, oh my God, this is, I got to quit because I'm going to go insane from doing the same thing. So it's always really interesting to see, you know, like hearing like people be, you know, you know, friggin' whoever the, the influences are, it's always, it's off the wall most of the time for, especially for punk drummers. It's like, oh yeah, I listen to like, I had uh, Hans Gruber and the Die Hards. And he's like, I listen to a lot of Kumba, and I'm like, of course you do, of course you do. Like you guys listen to Kumba, so like you know they're 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 inspired by lots of different stuff. So if I think if you just listen to punk music, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff that you'd be influenced by that is going to bring a new sound to that. Um, but I want to I want to dig a little deeper in some of the 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 lyrics as well. And you you talked about a couple songs already, but um, you know there's there's 
like I said, there's not a lot of words in the songs necessarily, but like, for example, the song Death to Fire, it's it's literally a song or maybe literally and metaphorically about a person who basically makes dicey choices in life and somehow pulls it off. It's like you're a lucky son <laughs> of a bitch, right? Like I, when I listen to that song, I remember the movie Bullet Train with Brad Pitt and how he's just like goes through his whole like, you know, hitman thing or whatever he's supposed to do. And like he should be dead like 20 times over, but like he keeps getting saved and like shoots through the train at the end by like floating through the whole thing while it's crashing. I'm like, that's fucking insane. <laughs> like, that, that's like in my head what I think of because like that those words could easily just be like, hey, let's license this for that part of the movie. Um, but like, what do you actually do when you write the songs? Like, what's the process? Do you just sit down? Do you have a, a guitar first with some chords and a melody? Or do you actually like write the songs out and then put it to words and stuff like that later? Yeah. Um, I guess like, so, so typically I... Like I, I keep, a, I use Google Keep as my note-taking sure. application, yep. and so like, you know, if I if I have downtime riding as a passenger in a car, or if it's late night and I can't find sleep, like that's usually where I just jot down like thoughts and like you know, it call it poetry, call it what you will. It might be like three lines, but you know, I've definitely attempted to do like sleep-deprived lyric writing before, uh, oh, which yeah. was like a weird choice, but it was, you know, like. It was kind of amazing to be like up at like 2.30 in the morning. I'm like dead tired, but I have this concept and I'm like, I'm going to power through this, turn my phone off and then see what it is in the morning. And, you know, it like it has kind of yielded some good stuff, grab a few lines from whatever I wrote. Um, but yeah, I tend to like, I tend to start with a little bit of lyric. And then, um, you know, when it comes to writing like the actual uh, chords and stuff, um, you know, basically sitting down with that and I'll, I'll just pull up my keep, I'll pull up my app and I'll just be like, Oh, there's, that's like, those two lines are cool. And I'll just like kind of start structuring stuff around that. And typically where I started with the lyrics will, will be like, it will change because, you know, I don't really know what the melody or the, the, the chords progressions will be until I start powering through it. But I tend to start with verses for some reason. Um, I know like yeah. choruses are what people get hooked on, but, um, like, I, I just kind of like, I like to think about the story blocks on either side of that chorus, and then the chorus being like the most repeatable piece, um, which I'm still honestly, it's it's like a practice to, because I could write a song that has no chorus, or, or doesn't have a really standout moment that is a chorus. And, and I have to work on that sometimes to be like, what is going to make this like have an ear hook or an earworm? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's kind of the process for me. But then we bring it to the the lab, if you will, the practice space and start hacking it to pieces. So I might come with something that's just a piece of it, like just a verse, I might come with something that's complete, but we typically like deconstruct it, rebuild it and um, like work together on that process. I am not a good lead guitarist. Uh, I might have like the melody for a lead in my head, but typically I leave that to our skilled players. I just kind of <laughs> come up with like a little bit of the baseline structure of the song. Yeah. It sounds very familiar to like what I would do when I write a song. Cause like, I almost always think of the story or like the concept first. And then I'm like struggle to figure out how to turn a chorus or something interesting into that. But, um, you know, when, I, when like thinking of a key change or something like that, it's like, Oh, let's try this. And then let's move this to the chorus. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now that I've got a melody for the chorus, I can then write the lyrics. So it's pretty interesting. It just, some people will literally just write, the melody or the chords first or have a melody first and then write everything. 
some people literally write it out as poetry and then retrofit it to music. So it's always interesting to kind of hear that because, um, you know, when somebody actually writes decent lyrics, you just kind of want to know more about how that process starts. But I do, uh, did you have anything you wanted to add there, Brian? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, sometimes um, our bassist or our other guitarist will actually have a riff that they bring to practice and we'll start jamming on that. And Steve will say, oh, I think I've got something that might fit with that. And he'll go into his app and find those couple lines that he's put together as just words and, um, you know, try to put that to a riff that he didn't even write. Um, yeah. You know, so that's kind of a neat way that things come together. And that's when we kind of like hack it up and say, oh, you need two less syllable, two fewer syllables or, or yeah. whatever it may be. And um, yeah. stop yeah. trying to fit so much in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like when I when I get weird at the space is like I don't have words and I'm just like, ah, just like yeah. making noises. And like, like are you I'm having sure a stroke? <laughs> the process at home is much more, uh, you know, like I am. I, I'm in my lonesome. So when I'm at the studio, it's funny to be a little bit more on display and like being, you know, almost like a jukebox, like sing that part, you know, like, let's, let's hear what, let's hear what you were thinking. It's like, okay. Yeah. So my dance monkey, let's go. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's a little bit of that, but you know, I do appreciate you sh saying you, you're like the lyrics. It means a lot. I mean, you know, these songs took some time to write, like we started them in the pandemic and, and kind of carried them through till we recorded this whole thing. So uh, it's, it's great to hear that you're enjoying the stories and the, and the lyrics. In there. Yeah, for sure. And another thing I wanted to bring up was something I don't li like, not every band does this that well. A lot of times when somebody goes into a recording studio, the energy that they usually play like in a live setting or even in the rehearsal studio, doesn't really seem to translate over to the recording, but you guys actually did this pretty well. I was pretty blown away by the energy that actually came through on the recording. So you know, uh, I, I would say like, do you have any thoughts? Like, do you, do you go into the studio with an idea? Um, is this something that like the producing, uh, you know, producers or anybody you're working with has like in their mind, or is there some trick that you guys do that others may not think about to be able to pull this off? Uh, I mean, I'll say, um, recording the drums, you know, we, we typically do a, a scratch guitar track, uh, not any kind of studio wizardry there, just something that happens. Um, and it's usually actually pretty distorted, not like just like a clean, like MIDI file or anything. It's, uh, I intentionally keep it loud and distorted and just kind of like play on, um, the feel of how it would sound live kind of, you know, loud and blown out, um, yeah. so that I can match that intensity when I record the drums. So that's something I definitely do intentionally. Um, I can't say if other folks do that or not, but yeah. I've definitely had, uh members of the band or or the studio engineer go in and listen to my playback while i'm recording drums and like or like how the hell do you do this because it's just it's just loud and distorted and like yeah. blown out yeah he's uh, like all i do is just turn this volume right here yeah. a little bit. <laughs> my ears are bleeding we're good yeah. <laughs> uh, it, without brian laying that foundation like i don't think we we uh each be able to layer on that intensity um so, um, yeah, like, and, and then this record in particular scars, like we recorded it at a professional studio here in DC, it's Ivacoda and we had Ben green on the, uh, the board. He's from a emo band back in the day called Fairweather, And he's yeah. been, he's been recording lots of DC bands. And so, uh, you know, he works with like 
and his friends are bands like Be Well and uh, and like other heavier bands like Loud Boys. I don't know if you know Loud Boys from DC, but like he tends to have a heavier edge to what he's recording. And so like we thought that would be a good fit for us because like even though we're melodic and poppy, like just we are we kind of try to bring that intensity to the stage. So yeah, um, it, it worked out really well to be paired up with him. I feel feel yeah. great about that decision. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a, a great choice however it goes down but like that amount of energy like yeah like most people if i want uh, you know the song to have more energy i just go into the master and i just push that feeder all the way up to the top of <laughs> yeah now it sounds like it's got energy in there <laughs> i'm like i recorded this so freaking boringly god damn it um but yeah you're no, fine yeah. dude don't worry yeah. about it <laughs> there's still, there's a ton of tricks i'm sure yeah <laughs> Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but one thing that happened during, uh, essentially after the recording and, and production of this, but you guys were supposed to put this out on AF records, right? And yes. obviously for anybody who doesn't know that that fell through because essentially anti-flag just disbanded after, you know, the rumors of, uh, the allegations, I should say, of Justin, the lead singer being accused of assaulting a bunch of women over years. Uh, like what kind of impact did you guys have both personally within the band and looking at that situation and then what else did the, you guys have to think about for you know actually getting this album put out like were you just scrambling the whole time yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh i mean we yeah that week was was um yeah unfortunate in a lot of ways um we had several kind of uh band um zoom meetings and facetime sessions and things like that uh that week we literally posted our first video and put the record up for pre-sale uh, through AF. Um, and our record was, I hate to keep using the word literally, but it was literally being pressed at the factory that week. Um, so a lot of things swirling around. Um, it was a total roller coaster because obviously we were very, very excited um, to be on the kind of like one of the best punk labels that was, um, yeah. you know, started by a band that we all liked and, you know, all respected. Um, our first video, you know, like uh, our new record for presale. And then uh, that news broke. Um, and, you know, it was uh, uh, disheartening to all of us to say the least, um, you know, and uh, obviously thinking about, um, the uh the first woman that came, that kind of came forward there that week and and it obviously dominoed from there um but we decided that we could not in good faith you know move move forward with with that that band's name on our on our material um yeah and like i said it was like it was already there like it was up for pre-sale on their site it was being pressed you know into vinyl with their logo on the label and uh it, it, it wasn't a decision we made lightly, but it was one we made fairly quickly, honestly, that it was not, um, not the right thing to move forward with. And, uh, you know, it was validating, I guess, to hear a lot of our, um, peers that were also on that label, uh, kind of come forth and do the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, that ultimately led to that, uh, to that label not continuing anymore. Um, yeah. so, uh, to hearts go out to Chris. To, to Christina, who was the first victim to come forward. And there's a Rolling Stone article that, that verifies a lot of other sad yeah. situations around that. So yeah, I read that. It was article. awful. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
the investigative journalism on that article was really important to, you know, making sure that this didn't continue. Um, in the in the wake of that, we decided to donate a portion of our record sales to Dash, uh, which is a uh, a nonprofit in DC that that helps people who've been victims of assault or in abusive houses um, households. And uh, we, when we were approaching other labels with what we had, um, we wanted to make sure that we we paired up with a place that you know felt equally uh, felt felt like that was an important piece of it. So um, we started working with Smart Punk. Um, uh, which was which has been great, honestly. Like the the ability for them to sort of help us repress the jackets, uh, get things back on track, help with our pre order distribution, and furthermore, like distribution to record stores and other things across the globe. Like it's been super helpful for us to be to be working with them. And like I, I can I can uh, I, I can't express how much I appreciate that they were able to keep it on track. Like yeah. we did not change our release date and we did probably like a month's worth of or probably five months worth of work with them in like a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was awesome to be able to like turn that into, um, you know, to keep ourselves on track and, and, you know, respect the situation and be able to like, you know, show that we actually don't want to be affiliated with something that that's awful you know and yeah it's been a part of our ethics forever to stand with victims to you know and, and you can hear it in our songs like we're somewhat political and you know we're not afraid to like speak out against things that are awful in this world and so yeah you know we wanted to show that like we weren't just talk you know yeah and i mean the, the one good thing about it is it seems like in times of like you know, crisis, the punk community seems to be able to handle that better than most because somebody, it seems like there's always somebody willing to help you whenever some shit hits the fan. Like I remember like, for example, like last year, uh, the, when we were young fest got canceled on the first day, cause it was windy here in Las Vegas. And all of a sudden there's like 30 pop-up shows in Las Vegas. That's where I'm from. So it's like one of yeah. the things like all of a sudden, you know, got 300 people at a bar, you know, in downtown <clears throat> Las Vegas that never would have had that many people. And so it's very interesting that like, you know, the, the community finds a way to help those when, when shitty things happen. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, the shittiest things are happening to the women that are being assaulted clearly, but there's this whole knock on effect of all these other people that are affected, including you guys, other bands. I've, I've talked to other labels that picked up other bands for, from this exact same scenario who are releasing music this year. I'm like, Jesus, like without you guys like you, like, you know, stepping in here and helping bands out, like there's going to be a lot of screwed people. And, and it's just, you know, awesome that somebody's going to help, you know, you know, jump in and save this from, from being a catastrophe. So it probably um, yeah. stems from that DIY. I mean, like we've always, you know, like we are on a label now, but call it's a punk rock label. We're not on like Sony. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. like yeah. you know, it, there's a lot of DIY that goes with what we do, even through being on a label. Like we produced our own music video. You know, we're paying for things out of pocket prior to like you know having label backing and stuff. And like sure. it's been, you know, it is a DIY journey. And I, this is one of the bands that Brian and I have been in in our lifetimes i'm sure like collectively we've been in like over a dozen and so we've always been like hey how do we figure this out how do we do it affordably and artistically and yeah. representative of what we want and so like i think that same mentality just permeates punk rock so you have like it's just going to happen like that, that yeah. people step in and make it make it a good thing out of a horrible situation 
Yeah, and that's I think that's been the case since probably even the early '80s. DIY has been punk rock's theme, right? I mean, most most all punk rock albums, even most punk labels, are DIY. Uh, you know, independent labels. You know, some of them get bigger later, but most of them all start from scratch. So, uh, you know, not catering and not not kowtowing to, like you said, like a bigger record company, right? Sure. Um, cool. Well, I do want to take a quick break, but I would love to play the song, the video for the song, Bittersweet. So during this break, I want to do that. I'm going to ask on air so that way YouTube, you know, Spotify, they don't say, oh, we can't play that shit on our, on our whatever. But do I have full permission from you guys to play Bittersweet, the music video, and so that way people can hear this on the show? Absolutely. Play it. Yes, please. All right. So here's the new single from American television called Bittersweet. And we'll be back right after this to bring the guys in the spotlight with some hot seat questions. That should be a lot of fun. We'll see you right after this. Welcome back to the Power Rock Podcast. I'm here with Steve and Brian from American Television to put them in the hot seat with some weird-ass questions. So, guys, are you ready to be put in the spotlight? Yeah. No. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's see what we can do. All right. So, you, as we talked about in the first segment, you guys aren't technically from D.C., but you are based there. And the first part, the first question is a two-part question. So, as a D.C.-based band, I want to know essentially how many hours do you estimate you've spent listening to Fugazi songs? And second, if you have a gun to your head, what Fugazi song is your, is, would you say is your favorite? 
Uh, I think that's going to come to me. Um, yeah. I got, let's see, in on the Kill Taker when I was 15 years old um, and kind of expanded out from there. Uh, number of hours. I mean, thousands probably listening to Fugazi. Um, yeah, was fortunate enough uh, to get to see them. Um, you know, I know they have not played in quite some time. So yeah, like uh, two thousand three or something. Yeah, in my youth yeah. was was fortunate to see them a handful of times. Um, and this is probably gonna sound cheesy, but if I had to pick my favorite Fugazi song, it's Merchandise, which is the song that we covered on um, that Adolescence Covers EP that we did. Uh, nice. Uh, it makes sense that it was on yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve, did you spend much time listening to Fugazi before you moved down to DC? Oh, well, yeah, I had a little bit. Of, I mean, I would say I was much deeper into Minor Threat, if we're talking about like the connections to Fugazi. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, in getting to know Brian over to the last 10 years he's definitely turned me on to more of it and like i probably have the most generic answer of all time but waiting room is probably like my favorite song i think it's okay. uh i think it's uh it's just when it comes on like actually i ride bmx and like uh, like a track and they even play it there so like when it comes on i'm like oh shit like it's so good that it's like getting on like these mainstream avenues and i always yeah. loved like the one thing that i loved about of, of the history of Fugazi in general is just like the ethics of just being like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do what you tell us to. We're gonna do it our way, and like yeah. whether that takes twice the amount of time, we're gonna, you know, do it the way that we think is the right way. And I think that's like a pretty commendable thing. So like Ian has always been uh, that way. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Fugazi. But as far as hours go, I mean, I've definitely I've taken a spin on all the records, but you know, um, I would say like the. Uh, She's Brian's gonna think I'm a nut. The the red red the red album, whatever the name of that one is. Okay, yeah. I can't remember either. But... It's the first one that has waiting room on it. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Thirteen songs. There you go. Thirteen songs. EPs together. Yeah. So I'll, I just crucified myself in the punk rock community that I don't even know the name of the record. <laughs> Wait, I'll I'll throw myself under the bus because I didn't even realize, and here's how stupid I am, that Ian McKay was in Minor Threat and Fugazi. I just never oh. even paid attention. I was like. I, I know Minor Threat. I know Fugazi. I never really like made any sort of connection. I was like, oh shit. Like, like literally when I was looking up stuff, I was like, wait, what? Oh, Minor Threat. Oh my God. Like this was like two days ago. I figured this out. I was like, oh fuck me. Sounds like we need to grab a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to figure wait, this I can out. listen to music for that long or whatever. Like I, I, I'm not, I won't say I'm like, I, I'm deep into either band, but like I've listened to them. I've heard them. I've heard of them. And just to never even make any connection, I guess, because I just never dug deeper than just listening to the music that I had no idea that it was the same lead singer. It's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, living around here, he's he's still a presence. Like, he still um, comes to shows. It's still, honestly, even as a elder uh, punk member here, like, it's it means something when he's at your show. I sure. mean, to me, like, if he shows up, he came to see us at uh, Fort Reno, like, when we In played DC, there. he's like a demigod. Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, I've talked to him, I've chatted with him, like he's very approachable. Um, nice. But, you know, he's still, because of the ethics that Steve talked about and getting into that music at such a young age, um, you know, it's still someone that, that I look up to. But, uh, you know, it's it's nice that he's just kind of around and yeah, yeah, that's very still cool. in it. All right. So number two in this hot seat is going to maybe throw a little spanner in here so maybe to make the last question even more or maybe less difficult to answer in a three-way battle of DP dc punk supremacy 
Who are you taking if you can only listen to one of these three bands for the rest of your life? Bad Brains, Fugazi, or Minor Threat? I'm going Minor Threat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's Fugazi for me. Um, yeah. I, I would say Fugazi love, out of the three. Yeah, but yeah, I love all three of them. Um, but if you can only pick one of the three, it's Fugazi. Just they were the first one of those three that I got into. So it's just more of a sentimental uh, connection that I have with their music yeah. over the other two. Not that I don't with those two, but, um, you know, it's just you asked the question, so we got to pick one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would say historically, I've probably listened to Bad Brains the most, but maybe that's why I would say I want to listen to Fugazi for the rest of my life because I haven't listened to him as much as I have Bad Brains, which is interesting. I've probably listened to Minor Threat the most out of those three. Yeah. Um, I know I, I gave a, a pretty high uh, hours number of, of Fugazi <laughs> listens on uh, the last question, but I probably have listened to Minor Threat more. But nice. um, like I said, a, just kind of a deeper, sentimental, um, kind of emotional connection with Fugazi because they were the first of those three that I, that I really got into. Sure. It's a lot easier to get through the Minor Threat discography than Fugazi. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. a little bit shorter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're here for a couple of years and then we're going to change things around. But yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see, like, I, I know like they, every, every year somebody's like, when's Fugazi coming back? Like it's been that way for like 20 years now, but, and they keep saying we're not, or we, we're not going to do it under these pretenses or whatever, but we may. And they, they leave the door open, but it's like, after 20 years, I'm, I'm pretty much giving up hope on it. <laughs> I hear they still practice. Like, I don't know if these are just like urban legends or whatever, but like, I hear that they still practice on like a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And, you know, they have that discussion and. They yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely all still around. Mm -hmm. um, Brendan and, and Joe play in the Mesthetics together um, who mm -hmm. play around town pretty regularly and put our album out on discord, like within recent history. So, you know, uh, would love to never see it. Never, I, I right? kind of don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. um, you know, I also just I never thought Jawbox would reunite either, and they did and have um, and continue to play. So there's uh, definitely other bands that have been out for 20 years that are now making new albums again. So yeah, it's it's entirely possible. <laughs> very true. All right, have, was it you who just had Diesel Boy on? Yeah, they were yeah, talking. Yeah, they were talking about like how they kind of came back and yeah uh, yeah I, I, yeah i want to say it was 20 years or damn close to that too for them so and then um like cigar their first album uh was like in 1998 so it was like <laughs> yeah however many years that is 24 or something like that before Actually, it's between releases got a piebald shirt on like uh we we got to play with them when they started to play back again so like yeah that was probably like a 15 or 20 year hiatus but yeah yeah man it's like you, the power of music will always pull you back. Like, yeah, we're getting old, but I'm sure we'll be doing this for another 20 It's because they, they just love the money so much. That's why they uh, love making all that money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the luxury van and the, all that that we're hitting the road in. Yeah. I, I love buying shit that I don't need so I can go tour around with a bunch of smelly old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three. If there were a, a competition between the band members to see who's truly the best at something and you all have equally similar skill levels, what are you guys competing in and who reigns supreme? For example, you guys might be able to eat the same number of hot dogs or something, but someone will like figure out how to eat more. So like any sort of competition, I was going to say like, you know, a blood battle to the death or something like that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it to, anything that you guys think would be a fair fight and then who do you think is going to come out on top 
I feel like all right. So sometimes, sometimes we go out for tacos before practice, uh, and so if we were in a taco eating competition, no knocks on Brian, but I actually maybe this is in your favor. I don't know how you want to view it. You <laughs> could eat more tacos than anybody. I'm going to say Brian wins because even though I can house the tacos, I've seen this man do double breakfast at like. <laughs> At like two o'clock in the morning after a show. So I think you could do it, man. I think you could take us all down. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's probably not a great thing to brag to brag to brag about, but I could definitely eat more food than anybody in the band. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, uh well, what if it yeah. was like super spicy food? Does anybody no. have like yeah, no? that's oh, not I, me. Yeah. I so we we have a new member, Chris, and I don't know if he's into spicy food, but I definitely can go spicy um yeah yeah like so when, your pain tolerance is higher but you're you're eating volume is yeah. Lower. <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm willing to like cry through a meal if necessary like i like when i was <laughs> this reminds me of like i was probably at like fest 14 or something and uh we went to um reggae shack which is like a jamaican place and i was eating their jerk chicken and the the sauce on it was so unbelievably hot that i was crying like i was yeah. just I, and then i'm like <laughs> Shit, I gotta get I gotta get to a show, man. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like sweating my food out while I'm like going to see like painted black or something that year. <laughs> it's like nuts. I definitely sweat my food out, but it's in a different it doesn't come from my eyes. So <laughs> like, this is just a damn workout. <laughs> I had to lift a spoon so many times already. <laughs> um yeah, I was I was just thinking about it earlier today. I was about to text some of my friends and be like, Does anybody here feel like they're in the best shape of their life? for a food eating competition because i'm like that's about the thing that, at this point in my life i can't run fast i can't jump high but i can eat like a lot of food all in one city. Yeah. <laughs> um all right so let's talk about question number four so here is another dc question for you who's your least favorite politician of all time <laughs> i mean you got like andrew jackson you got trump obviously <laughs> Right. You got like Mitch McConnell. You got all sorts of people. You could even go like other countries if you want. You know, Kim Jong-un and Il and however you want to think about it. But yeah, the, technically, are they politicians? I guess they're elected somewhat. Yeah. Putin? Like, Golly. Uh, I mean, there's been so many, but like this new class of assholes, like <laughs> uh, Boebert and, and uh, Taylor Green and Matt Gates and all of them are just mm -hmm. like, they are awful human beings um who don't stand for anything who don't believe in anything um and but they know what they don't want that's about it yeah yeah <laughs> they and, don't want you to talk to democrats then you're getting you're out yeah like Kevin I mean, <laughs> yeah uh yeah so it's just i, I mean and that obviously um obviously it was all spurred by by trump i mean i i, I yeah. don't want to give him the the Airways you know, the accolade of being yeah, the worst. Like, I wouldn't even call him a politician, but man, he's a piece of shit. Golly, <laughs> I, it's a tough question because I mean, like, DeSantis is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> here in in, in I'm Virginia, a common theme of yeah. you know hard right Republicans is being yeah. Our governor Yunkin is a piece of shit. Like, yeah. I mean, and and he's starting to get national, um, you know, credit and and airtime, and it's just for things that are are hurtful to people that I care about. And it's, um, yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's hard to watch, man. I think the yeah. interesting thing about Republicans is they wear like, you know, far right and hard right and ultra conservative, like as a badge of honor. Whereas like, if you do that on the opposite side, like ultra, you know, progressive or left leaning, people are like kind of ashamed of that. They're like, no, 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 I'm more middle, middle ground than that. Like you just see me as that. Cause you're so far over here. Um, like I just whole- don't think anything that's like far, anything is a good thing. Like don't go too far right or don't go too far left. Cause you look like a fucking asshole. Either way. <laughs> the, uh, the going so far to the right that you're like a conspiracy, like you've you're not believing in like aliens exist or whatever the this the the more tangible conspiracy yeah. theories are. You're getting into like crazy that shit. Seems, like yeah. what was I? Well, we we're all going to turn into zombies today when that. Um, yes, I was when the, say that. the nationwide alert went off on our phones today. Uh, sorry, yeah. to hate this podcast, but it was yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> people thought that that was going to happen. Yeah, and I was reading like. That if you didn't wear it, I was reading this. I saw a stupid screenshot. I don't. I don't go into the right wing. <laughs> He's on the dark web. He's reading. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was like if you don't wear tinfoil and that goes off, you're gonna like get this random virus that's gonna kill you. And I was, I, I joked to my friend over text today. I was like, so if you didn't die because of catching this 5G virus and you are sitting there with tinfoil on, are you considered a leftover? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah. man, these, it, it's, you know, this, this whole class of folks that are doing horrible things, not apologizing, not resigning, which used to be like common, like, yeah, like that if you fucked up, you resigned like Trump, I blame Trump entirely. I would say he's let's, I don't really want to consider him a politician, but he set this tone that it's just like, no, you're never wrong. And, you know, they're assholes and we're right. And it's just like, it's created a a horrible situation. And I've always believed if you're not moving more toward equality, then you're not going in the right direction. So if you're trying to roll back gay rights and trying to, you know, roll back reproductive rights, like then you're probably in, you were definitely going in the wrong direction in my opinion. Yeah. History will definitely look at you incorrectly yeah. later on and be like, you're fucking garbage. But it all comes back to fucking blaming Obama. Cause he was the one at the, uh, that, that lunch or that dinner or whatever that like said, Oh, I can't believe like Trump's running for president. Like, obviously he's not going to make it. And then like four years later, he's like, fuck you. I'm going to do it again. And he came back and won. And was like, God damn it, Obama. Why you got to pour fire or pour gas on the fire? <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> so as ev- as everything, it's either Hitler's fault or Obama's fault. So there you go. <laughs> all right. So last question in the hot seat is one that I've been asking all fans lately is what, what four musicians would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore of either being influential or being your favorite? So again, they don't have to be four different players. So they don't have to be a bass drum, guitar and, and singer. They could be all drummers if you want, but who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Mine's going to be weird. I don't know if you want to go first, but I no, think go I... for it, Steve. All right. So one of them I'm going to have to think about as I talk, but okay. So huge influence on me, uh, Gordon Gano from the Violent Femmes, like okay. probably one of the earliest bands that I adopted as like my own music. Like, you know, sure. for many years I was listening to like classic rock and things in the car with my parents, but yeah, Violent Femmes, like, I want to say my sister came home 
with their uh, debut album and I, I just fell in love with it. And there's a lot of punk rock sort of like it's it's folk punk, but there, there's a sure. lot of that in there. So Gordon, Gordon Gano, I, we mentioned Elvis Costello earlier, also an early influence. Um, just like if you point, you want me to give reasons why? Is that is that helpful? Whatever yeah. you want. To do. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I just think like there's that moment on SNL that most people probably know about, but like where he was told not to play radio, radio, yeah. and like he went ahead and did it anyway, uh, just to be like, yeah, whatever. And he's been banned from. I don't think he's ever been back, but he's been banned ever since. Like, just like that, even though he was achieving such like status at that point he still was like you know i don't want to play by the industry rules and that was kind of yeah. a nice nice thing that i like look at um okay here's where things probably start to get like more hard because i don't know if i have my fourth one deck yet but uh zach de la roca from uh Radiance machine sure. like always political i've gotten a chance to see them three times in my life and yeah never got to see him yet and that's uh, oh we went steve and i went to this last tour what like yeah, yeah. six it months they canceled like the that. vegas one because like they were like oh well we we you know obviously COVID or something hit and they had to reschedule and then like oh we're just not gonna do vegas again i was like yeah oh. he tore his acl <laughs> and he was sitting down for our show but the way yeah. because they're in an arena they're like filming it tight on his face it looked like he was rocking out so if you didn't just watch him sitting on a box like it was yeah. it felt like he was running around the stage um so yeah very political uh the messages in all of those songs still hold and like yep. it's like almost like embarrassing that they still hold like what is going on i mean on? he wasn't just talking about stuff that had just happened either i mean some of that stuff happened hundreds of years before yeah. he was talking about it so the fact right. that it still is going on is absolutely insane it's insane so yeah just like love and just what a what a what an insane band like no one sounded like that no, like ever, and and still to this day, you can't point to a band who's like a rage band. Like, oh, that's a rage knockoff. There, yeah. Is Everybody else is new metal, and Rage Against the Machine is just Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll probably bring it back to like punk rock for the last person. Uh, I would say um, Milo Ackerman, like sure. just you know, has always just like you know, he leads this sort of duality. He's like he was a scientist, and he's also a punk rock musician and i like i really respect people who like you know not only are they like talented in music but they're also like intelligent and, and like are pursuing something else i think there's you know for me it was something that i struggled with when i was younger where it's like i really enjoyed music but i was afraid that it wouldn't be like a viable career option mm -hmm. i had lots of friends my friend julio actually just won a Grammy for producing Olivia Rodrigo's record. So like, wow. I'm sorry, Dan, Dan, I'm sorry, my friend, Dan, Julio is my other friend who's on tour constantly playing arenas. And like, these are two people I grew up with and they're like, I knew I wasn't as good as them. So yeah. I was like, well, I validated my thoughts, my early thinking, because I too, like I'm a graphic designer, but I, but music came back around later for me and, and, you know, it's, it really supplements and my creativity and sure. and uh just creates like a catharsis like a release and and i've and that's like it's so meaningful for me meaningful for me to to be like to sort of manifest in that way yeah. so i really like that milo also like like lives that duality yeah yeah what so about you brian four. 
All right. I wrote a couple names down. There's more than four, so I'm going to make up my mind. Oh, uh, shit. Let's as play I, by the rules here. Yeah, as I go through, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll knock some <laughs> folks off. Um, You're just going to chisel them in there and be like... Yeah. Okay. They're set, set in stone, as it were. Um, so the first we've already kind of talked about at length is going to be Ian, um, you know, from Fugazi and Minor Threat and Embrace and all of those bands. Um, just, again, hearing that music for the first time as a, as a teenager just kind of defined what independent music and punk if you want to call it that counterculture if you want to call it that was all about and kind of like setting up your own way of doing things um yeah, yeah was just a, he's a definite one um number two uh this one's kind of from left field a little bit but just like uh love his music and his whole attitude and his whole vibe um is mike Patton um okay. from faith no more uh, i thought you were gonna say weird al because <laughs> <laughs> i know i know we share that one. it's it's on the list i will we'll see if he makes the cut or not but uh but yeah uh mike Patton. just I, i've been a huge faith no more fan um sure. and just they like they do things that are you know they're on major labels but they do things that major labels would advise them not to do and, and sure. just kind of like the music just sticks with me um man i'm gonna throw a head that's split in two that's john and john from they might be giants um okay. is just uh another band that i grew up loving um side note it's uh on my online dating profile, both my wife and I had They Might Be Giants listed as the top of our favorite bands that we like. And it was <laughs> one of the reasons that we connected there. So they've had more of an influence on my life than just uh, than just music. So I'll, I'll throw yeah. them there. Um, I thought you were going to say it's still on my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been shut down. Uh, um, man, and then I have another like four names on here. Let's see. I wanted to give him an honorable mention, but honestly, it's the reason that I started playing drums is Dave Grohl. Um, okay. Like, you know, when Nirvana hit and it's just like, this music is, I can do this. And obviously Dave Grohl is a much better drummer than uh, he displayed on, on, on Nevermind there. But, uh, you know, well, just kind of like that the song. Way that right? he, the way that he packed the drums into those songs yeah, it isn't a minor feat by any means. I mean, there is some yeah. quite little good skill in there that is just being added to a very solid rock beat, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just—I mean—that's the reason I started playing drums. So to to overlook that in a musical influential um, Mount Rushmore, I, I can't do it. So he has to go yeah. on there. Sorry, Weird Al, with your big yeah, hair. Sorry, Weird Al. Sit on the, uh, the mountain. I love Weird Al. He's he's down he's down looking up at it and yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> All right, well that's it. The spotlight's off, and we'll be back in just a few moments to stick a fork in this episode with some exciting news about what American television having coming up for the rest of the year. So stick around. We'll be right after. We'll be back right after this. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow. It's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to DIYRockCareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my way. 
Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast. So let's talk about American television, what you guys have coming up. I know you guys have obviously just released an album. You did, I think, a record release show the day after from memory. Um, but do you guys have some some shows coming up? And what else do you guys got coming up for the horizon? Yes, we have. We know what the rest of our year looks like, which is great. Um, I know I you're playing say- one particular place in, 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 in Florida at some point, I believe, from memory, correct? Not this year. I think I'm oh, you're not, you're about, not playing uh, Fest. Fest. Okay. We are not playing Fest this year. Um, we decided to take a year off, but we plan to go back next year. Um, Florida sucks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that that weather-wise, that time of year is perfection. But yeah. Uh, yeah, otherwise, Florida does suck. I wish my dad understood <laughs> that before we moved there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so actually in a week or so, yeah, in a week, next Next week, we go out on the road, um, and we're going to Raleigh, North Carolina. We're going to play School Kid Records, uh, School Kids Records. Uh, then, then we're the next night on the 14th, we're in Norfolk at the Tap House. Uh, and on the 15th, we're at the Camel in Richmond. All of these dates are with our buddies in X'd Out. Uh, X'd Out's a Richmond band that features some ex-members of Smoker Fire. So we're super psyched to get out with them. And... Uh, pile into a van and eat as many tacos and prove <laughs> prove Brian correct that he can yeah. win that taco competition. <laughs> Do you want to talk about November, Brian? Sure. Um, yeah. And then we're doing another uh, kind of weekend warrior thing in mid-November. Um, we're going up to uh, Brooklyn. We're playing at Gold Sounds um, on, I think it's Thursday the 9th or something like that. I don't have my calendar up in front of me. You got it right. Uh, yep. And then we're from there, we're going to Philadelphia to play at uh, Creep Records. Um, and then we are playing at uh, the new Skid Row Garage venue um, in York, Pennsylvania. So we're pretty stoked on that. That's going to be our first time up there. Uh, and then wrapping it up with a show in uh, Baltimore uh, put on by our friends at uh, Feed the Scene. Nice. So kind of cool. two... Um, two weekend runs uh, we talked about before how you know this is mostly a hobby we try to do as much as we can but we all have work and family and stuff like that so uh but we wanted to with the new record that just came out kind of give it its due and and get a little run from it while we can so uh yeah yeah doing two weekends uh between now and the end of the year yeah, yeah. and that second weekend's with over our eyes from baltimore nice very cool i was gonna say you mentioned that you're going to york so maybe you guys could have a peppermint patty eating contest while you're there. Oh, Put I would do on. that. Yeah. <laughs> Mini or, or full size. <laughs> you could, don't they have like a frozen one too? Like an ice cream one that you can try as well. I think they got a frozen, like ice cream kind of thing too, but maybe I know not, some people keep them in the freezer. Yeah. Um, I definitely used to do that, but I thought then they like Snickers has like one too. And so yeah, yeah. Twix, but I thought that they made a frozen one too, but oh, I could maybe. be wrong. <laughs> Um, either way, I've never had hockey puck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so obviously we'll add some links to you guys' music in the show notes below this episode, your social media, stuff like that. Do you have any other like plugs, shout outs or anything else that you want to say before we go today? Yeah, I would say we mentioned our new record a lot in this episode. It's available on uh, smartpunk.com. Just go in there. There's some really awesome variants that they're offering. And they've also got some t-shirts. One of them is yellow and <laughs> the other is our album art. So uh, yeah, head on over to smartpunk.com. And, nice. and the album fun. art is pretty cool too. It's, uh, you know, getting stabbed in the back by a woman there. So yeah, it doesn't look it's... like a stab in the back when I do it that like that. Do it, it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 
actually have a copy over here. Just give me one second because I will show off um, what's really unique about the cover. Hopefully you can see it. Uh, yeah, see how it shimmers there? The roses oh, yeah. are actually yeah, it's got like the holographic type of thing on it. Yeah, roses are it's called spot gloss. So the roses are printed just glossy on black and they kind of That's pop off cool. when you catch the light. So yeah. Yeah, and that artwork is done by um a local artist. Uh his company name is Rockets Are Red. Uh so if you look him up on uh on Instagram, he's got a lot of cool stuff. He does a lot of um he does uh, some poster work for like things at the 930 Club, like Menzinger's posters and, and Lord, Lord Jane Grace and, and Gaslight Anthem. So he's got some really cool, uh, really cool artwork up there. And, and um, yeah, he was great to work with uh, yeah. for the album art. We weasel our cool. way into the Rockets of Red canon. <laughs> yeah. You guys didn't use AI to create your album art, which is great. <laughs> nope. It has all five fingers. Yeah. <laughs> So one last question before we sign off, what new music would you guys recommend somebody check out? So just one band or one song or one album, uh, but let's say within the last 365 days. Nice. Um, let me pull it on my Spotify real quick. Yeah. I, I, I know what I've been, uh, I know what I've been rocking. I just don't know what year it came out. Uh, I don't know if it was last year. I've been listening to Sam. I am's new record a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. Just like it's called the, it's called Stowaway, and it did come out this year. So I'm in I'm in the time frame that you're asking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so good, and there's like sleeper tracks on there uh, that are just amazing. So like, just listen to it from top to bottom. Yeah. I love a band that like, even in their later years, is putting out like some of their best work ever. Yeah. I don't think I actually even, I don't think I've listened to that one yet, which is interesting because I know Sam, I am, I just didn't even know there was a new album by them. So I have to check it's it out. real good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I would, uh, I guess want to shout out, there's a, a local band, um, that we did a show with uh, a couple months ago that, um, I've just loved their songs. They're a band called peak bloom, um, from here yeah. in DC and they put out an EP uh, a couple months ago. Um, you know, it's up on Bandcamp and probably Spotify. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, they're a DC area band, um, and they were just yeah, I just like it a lot. Cool. I'm gonna write this down so I don't forget it later. Peak Bloom is that like P E A K? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it refers to um, we have the cherry blossoms here in DC. Gotcha. Um, so it's a DC centric name, which is great for them. Uh, nice. Just it's when you should go look at the cherry blossoms. It's Peak Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to thank today's guests, obviously Stephen Bryan from American Television, for being on the show today talking about the new album scars make sure to go to the show notes below this episode to go check out, out the stream or go buy the album obviously you saw the, the cover there um it's it's a freaking awesome album and and it was a lot of fun to have you guys on the show so make sure you go to the show notes below and check everything out and obviously hopefully you like the music video that we played for you in the middle um always a little bit of humor helps to uh kind of get people on your side right <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a ton of fun thanks for having us on really yeah. appreciate it yeah thanks and so much guys, Isaac. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. And guys, remember that the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. So to show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. Use you can use use guys can see the full interview on YouTube channel on our YouTube channel and Spotify now as well. If you want to check out some of our awesome content, our merch and gear, head to PoweredByRock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.
supposed to be 